Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'd like to be under the sea in an octopus's garden in the shade. Yes, folks, good gardening to you, and how are your plants doing? Whether these plants that we're thinking about right now are inside or out. If you have any success stories you'd like to share, questions, concerns, comments, confusion, wanting recommendation or action to be taken, simply give us a call, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1100. 20. Let me share what I saw this morning in the Good Gardening Stroll, and this is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. After the stroll, then we can take a look at your trees and shrubs or your perennials. How about those annuals, lawn, ground cover, growing mediums? What should you be using? Should you be using specific types of potting mix? Or does it really matter? Improvement, bugs, is there a bug problem right now? How about the impact of your pets? Suspicious growth or spots? Can you do some transplanting or taking cuttings and get them rooted or having some bare root plants sent to you? Well, I'll share my knowledge and help you to make a decision on the actions you want to take or consider. Remember, this is your show, and I enjoy hearing about your plants. Drew is here producing, and he's a very important player in the big game. I'm Mike Miller, hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. Next month, it'll be 30 years. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe it. I'm going to have to talk a little bit older, I guess. Anyway, I liked for you to, if you'd like for me to come to your home to look at your plant world for a walk and talk consultation, Just go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, and on the homepage, there's my email address and phone number. I've had some real problems with computers and phones lately. Finally, I think I'm getting things straightened out, but, oh, I'm not so smart. I'm a man of the dirt. Anyway, ah, good gardening stroll. I turned right off Tucker onto Spruce, the foggy sky. There was crows all over the place. I guess they're hanging out downtown because it's warmer downtown than it is in the suburbs. Anyway, they were adding spice with flight and sound to the sky. And there's, uh, wow, there's Stan Musial. He's standing ready for the next pitch. 
and with the seasonal decor around him, red twig dogwoods and some spruces and some white birch tree trunks, and they were being hugged by a boxwood hedge. This was the third base gate, gate number three. And the brick plaza there is highlighted by actually a Stan Musial baseball that's part of the plaza, the opening for the gates and everything else, with multiple dedication stones. And here it was uh, on South 8th Street. Uh, I took a look at some of the other plantings. The pansies from last fall, well, they're asleep. They're, hmm, they're goners. And nearby, there's some really kind of graphic-looking crabapple trees. As you go down the steps, there's the oak leaf hydrangea that has been neatly pruned to be identical in height. There's deciduous trees along there that uh, offer the oak leaf hydrangeas some shade during the summertime, which they don't have to have, but they would prefer it. They like it a little bit better. And uh, they're growing high against the Bush Stadium brick veneers. Fog was getting thicker and thicker. It was coming closer downward. Well, it's time to go. And uh, by the way, when is the first home game at Bush Stadium? Hmm, I don't know. I'm going to have to look it up on the Internet, I guess. If you happen to know, maybe you can give a call. Let me know when the first home game is. Maybe I should ask Tom Ackerman. Hmm, yeah, maybe I can get a hold of him. Anyway, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We'll be back after these messages. Why do you whisper green grass? Why tell the trees what ain't so? song. What a song. Thanks to David for calling in. April 4th is the first Cardinal home game. Yes. Thanks, David. Greatly appreciate it. And uh, how about uh, you like St. Patrick's Day? Well, the shamrocks that you get for St. Patrick's Day, they're going to look very good. And as long as they are in flower when blooming, you can fertilize them. Just be really careful with the shamrocks that you don't overwater them. And any kind of water that runs out of the bottom of the pot, even if it's, you know, if you've got that aluminum, green aluminum foil, of course, uh, around the pot, just, you know, any kind of excessive water that came out of the drainage holes in the bottom of the pot, pour that out. They want a bright light and they're a regular type of bulb. So during the summertime, they will go dormant. And that dormancy can extend for, you know, up to three months. And during that time when they are dormant, no food or no water, when they come out of dormancy, you'll start to see these are like little bulbs. They'll start to see some new foliage come out, and then you can start watering. But again, don't fertilize when they're not blooming. And always allow the soil to dry. And as I said before, they want really bright light. So let's head over to Jill's Jill's yard. Hi, Jill. Hello. Um, I planted six spireas this spring, and they just grew really pretty all summer and the fall. They look nice. I went out there to check on them. I have them way in the back of my yard, and they've been eaten to the ground. Is there any chance that they'll come back? They Uh, should. As long as they were established enough when you planted them 
because they did look good that the root systems established. It, you know, we've had some really tough, cold spells. Now, that could really have some detrimental impact. So it's going to be a kind of a roll of the dice, and you're not going to know until the new growth, you know, in theory begins. Okay, so should I put more mulch over them to keep them? No, that's not going to make any no. difference now because my guess is we're not going to have those severe colds that we've had recently. And consequently, the mulch is just, it could cause, I don't want to say more problems, but it, once it gets too dense, then it can keep the humidity up and that can lead to some problems too. So if you have mulch okay. on them already, then don't do any more. Okay, so do you think it was deer that did it? Or I thought they were supposed to be deer resistant. <laughs> well, they are, but it could be rabbits. It could be lots of things. So was there any twigs on the ground at the like where somebody chewed them and they just kind of fell? No. Nothing? No, I didn't. Yeah, it looked totally cleaned up, yeah. Well, it could have been stupid deer. Didn't know I don't like these things, but they were yeah. chewing on them, and hmm, there's a little But these were probably fairly small, so. So, you, and we would rabbits have eaten all the twigs, or? No, they really wouldn't. They would eat some, but generally, I don't know how many twigs were coming up out of the ground, but... Uh, if there was more than a few, then uh, the rabbits, it's not probably a rabbit problem. Okay, so like if I put like a deer-resistant spray on it or a deer uh, repellent, yeah. does that help? Or, or you could hang uh, bars of Irish Spring soap on like a post or, a, you know, something, a couple around them because the smell repels the deer as well as the repellents do. Oh, Okay. Okay, and then what, like, I mean, like putting a net over it, I mean, those kind of things, is that a good idea, or is a spray, or the soap better? Yeah, you know, probably since there's no twigs left, basically, from what you're saying, I wouldn't, you know, you don't need to do too much. They're not going to, but if you start to see some new growth for next year, for in the, in the fall, that's when you want to start, or late summer, early fall, you want to start uh, going after them. I see. Okay, so now if there are twigs, I, did, I don't recall seeing twigs, but if there are twigs there, I, I don't understand what does that mean. That means that uh, they didn't eat all of them, and hopefully those twigs survive the wintertime cold, and they'll put out some new foliage, leaves, and then the leaves oh. are what take the nutrients up and then use the nutrients out of the soil and moisture plus sunlight to you know for the health yeah, of the no, plant. Yeah. Okay, I thought you meant twigs laying on the ground. Well, they ate these things clear to the ground. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, it's my, it's going to be a little bit of uh, a hit-and-miss guess. Yeah. Okay, so for now, just do the Irish spring soap. Yeah, but I wouldn't even bother if there's no twigs left, you know. Oh, wait till something starts growing. Right, exactly. Okay. All right, well, thank you so much. Sure, my pleasure. And let's go from uh, Jill's yard over to Dave's yard. Hi, Dave. Uh, hi. Hi. Uh, I'd like to know how to reproduce a, a lilac bush with cuttings. What time of year would I do that? They bloom in the spring, of course. Right. Uh, so you're going to get some rooting hormone, right? All right. Okay, so you need to go to your favorite garden center and get some rooting hormone for woody plants. Then you could then get some potting mix for starting plants. Get some small pots 
let's say if you don't have like plastic pots that are like six inches or so, and then to just takes are these big mature plants with lots of twigs? Uh, they're about six or eight foot tall. Yeah, so they're pretty pretty mature and pretty big. And then just takes you want the cuttings to be about uh, oh eight to twelve inches, and you okay. want to make the cut when you cut them off. Uh, at a 45-degree angle or in, at an angle because that exposes the area that, you know, will be rooting. So you're going to take the, you know, the twig when you cut it, stick it down into the rooting hormone, then put it in the pot with, uh, you know, the potting mix for transplanting or starting new plants. And as far as doing it, just make sure that you do it before any kind of new growth begins. Oh, would I do it in the spring or yeah, winter? I would, I would do it in the spring. Like as winter ends, let's say sometimes after Valentine's Day. Maybe March? Just, you know, it's hard to say, but just before any kind of leaves start emerging. Okay. Any, and you're going to probably see some leaf buds, you know, emerging before it's, even though it's a spring flower, you'll see some of that growth first. Now, if in, you know, let's say yours plants are a little bit different and they start anything, any kind of new active growth, once you see that, it's too late. Then oh, you want to okay. wait until fall. Uh, how about bud swelling or whatever they call it? The uh, Is that too late? Um, it's getting close because, uh, you know, once, especially if they're flower buds, Flowering is the most stressful thing for any kind of plant material, even healthy, mature plants like you're speaking about. That flowering aspect is, you know, like it, it's, it strains them, let's put it that way. Okay. So February or March then probably. Right. And 9 to 12 inches, reading, rooting hormone and potting soil. Right. Potting soil for starting plants. Then how do I know when I can put them in the ground? It's going to be, I would leave them in the pots for, uh, you know, a couple years. Oh, really? Yeah, and just what you want to do is once you've, you see them and you suspect that there's, you know, some growth, that they've, you know, started to put out some roots, then in a, just in a garden space, just dig a hole and put the pot down in a hole with the top inch or so of the pot above the surrounding mulch or ground or surface. And that's and then leave it there for a couple years, and put it in a sunny location, just like you, you know, you're growing your lilacs right now. Oh, so you put the pot in the ground then? Yes, huh? for a couple years until it gets its root system established. And how big would the pots be? About just a few inches, or yeah, like up to up to six inches, four to six inches. Oh wow, for two years, okay. And that's all you need to do. All righty. Well, thank you very much. Sure. Just keep your fingers crossed. It's going to be successful. And 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Spring, we're not quite at spring yet, but we're getting right on the edge of spring. And one of the problems that happens in the springtime is something called fire blight. And that's one of the diseases that can impact trees. And what it does is gets into the veins of the tree. And consequently, then it chokes or fills the veins up with this disease. And then it kills the trees. It's a woody plant, you know, circumstance. 
So the fire blight, early spring, the cankers on it, what it does is transmitted from other plants that have the fire blight to new plants. And it'll have cankers, which are like kind of like, what would it be? Like a boil and a, a skin boil. And then the new, as a new growth begins, then these cankers will start oozing this tan-colored sap. And then whether it's rain, whether it's insects, whether it's wind, any kind of bees or anything else, ah, they can move it to another plant. And it's a systemic disease. And once it moves down into the root system, it causes a quick death. And it's one of the, you know, one of the plants that's very prone to it is the flowering pear trees. So that's one that even in my neighborhood or any kind of neighborhoods that, uh, you know, over the last few years, I've seen a, probably like two or three that have died from uh, the fire blight. And the reason why it's called fire blight is because all the leaves turn black. And it looks like it's been, you know, set on fire. So well, let's head over to Linda's yard. Hi, Linda. Hi, Mike. Hi. How are you today? On this lovely, dreary day, but we sure do need all this rain, though. No. <laughs> um, if that lady's still listening, that the, probably the deer ate her, her plants. Um, we used Irish Spring, but we actually, somebody said they had luck with taking a, like a potato peeler and shaving it onto the plants. Ah. And this lady who lives basically in the woods, and um, she was having trouble with them eating her hostas. And my garden club planted a community garden at Cliff Cave Park down in Oakville. And that park is filled galore with deer. Right. And it didn't, they didn't eat anything. We had zinnias, cannas, uh, mums in the fall down there, all kinds of other flowers. Some were deer resistant, but nothing was touched, not even one bloom. And that's, what did um, fairly regularly, maybe about three times, maybe the whole summer, three or four times, shaved that Irish spring and stuff and around the plants, and it really works. And the dollar store, he has it cheap, so it's a really <laughs> good deal. <laughs> <laughs> so just wanted to do that little recommendation. Well, great. Have a great day. Yeah, you do the very same thing. Greatly appreciate it. So nothing t- uh, sort of, t- you know, works and until you really have something that really works well. So I've never really shaved it, but, uh, you know, I've hung it on sticks and just driven it in, in that way. So this would be as, you know, I'm glad that you called in and greatly appreciate it. So anybody else has recommendations related to uh, any of the questions or comments that I have, uh, you can certainly give us a call, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. When you do call, Drew just needs your first name, and they'll put the... You on to the caller screen, and we do have some lines open, so give us a call. Give me a call. Give Drew a call. Give KMOX a call, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. If you were a gardener that grows, like, vegetables and things like that, and last year you had you grew onions, potatoes, let's say winter squash, and you have them in storage now, well, check them out. Because if they are shriveling or rotting or showing any kinds of at all, get rid of them. Because if there, if there's one that's rotted next to some that are not, that rot can actually be transmitted by just them laying next to each other. So kind of keep that in mind. And a crop rotation in your vegetable garden is some good practice to develop. So if you've planted tomatoes in a certain area... And don't put them back in the same place year after year after year or anything else. It's better off. You're better off to change things. And then, you know, as you know, I really believe in soil testing. And get a soil test done for any of your garden space, your lawn, any place at all where you're going, you know, where you have plants growing. And get the soil test done, and then you can find out, what type of fertilizer you should be using or you shouldn't be using because sometimes fertilizers, as I continue to say, that have the same numbers can build up to the point with the phosphorus and potassium and things like that. It actually is detrimental to your plants instead of being helpful for your plants. So fertilizer doesn't guarantee success. Sometimes it certainly does, but it's only if it's done properly. Let's head over to Martha's yard. Hi, Martha. Hi. Hi. First of all, I didn't catch exactly what the lady said about the deer. So, uh, what she shaved on the on the ground? She shaved then, Irish Spring soap, bars of soap. Oh, oh, and that was just it. Oh, okay. All righty. And then, um, give me a little information about angel wing begonias. Do they need to be in shade, like in the summertime? I have some growing in my basement now, but should I plant them in the shade? Do they want sun? Do they live over winter? What's the situation with those? Uh, just make sure during, you know, we've still got some time before you can put them outside. Right. That, yeah. uh, you know, you don't overwater them because that's really crucial. That can really happen pretty easily. And uh-huh. uh, are they in the light in oh, your yeah. basement? They're in, yeah, they're under light. Uh-huh. I mean, they're okay. doing real good. Good. Uh, right now. And so, but I don't know when I 
put them out? Do I do they like direct sun? Do I put them in the shade? No, don't put or them in direct sun. Okay, all righty. I mean, just so they don't get any sun. Let's say between ten and three or something in the afternoon. Earlier in the okay. season, the sun's not as intense, so they right. can be like on a deck where there's no shade or anything. But when uh, we get to probably Oh, Memorial Day or something, or maybe depending upon our weather, which you never mm-hmm. know what it's right. going to be, uh, get it out of that direct sun, afternoon okay. direct sun. Would, would they Do they do well if you plant them around a big tree at the root or the base of the tree? No. <laughs> oh, okay. They have to have both it's too, okay. it's too. Yeah, it's too woody there, and uh, so okay. they're better off you know, in pots by themselves as opposed to being in the ground with other things. Oh, okay. All right. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah. I okay. thank Bye-bye. you for Bye-bye. calling. Yeah, I've grown uh, angel wing begonias for years. I don't grow them every year, but uh, I alternate and you know with several different kinds of tropicals and mix them in with some annuals and things like that. But uh, angel wing, I always grow in pots, and mine ends, ends up, uh, you know, let's say new ones. I keep them. You know, sometimes I bring them inside, put them under grow lights and things like that. So I just play around with the plants. So we do have a, uh, you know, phone lines open. So you can give a call three one four four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. Valentine's Day is coming up, and uh, you know, if you buy cut flowers, that's great because there's some really interesting, really you know, good looking ones. But when you bring them home. Recut the bottom of the stems underwater with a with a pair of sharp scissors, and then remove any foliage that's going to be any the least bit underwater. And those preserve, you know, flower preserve preservatives and those little packets. Mix that in with the water first, and I always mix it up. Put them in cool water. I cut the bottom of the stems. I cut about an inch or so off, and. Uh, it's just, it just extends the life of the cut flowers, and that doesn't have to be just Valentine's flowers. It's any kind of flowers. Let's head over to Ned's yard. Hi, Ned. Uh, I wanted to know if there are still elm trees. Uh, do they still exist anywhere in in the area? Or? Oh, yeah, there's elms. I mean, there's elms, you know, as street trees and everything else. I mean, they've had a battle but uh, no, they're still around. Well, I'm, then I'm sorry. That's the extent of my question. I wanted you to elaborate on elm trees because I had heard there was something called uh, elm disease or something. Right, and Dutch I elm. Seen one. Yeah, Dutch elm disease, and it was really devastating for all of them. And some of the elms are more prone to it than others. And uh, but you know the. For a while, they didn't want anybody to plant them, but uh, there's still some existing ones. As far as garden centers having them, I'm not sure that they do. But like I said, there are some varieties that do not get the Dutch elm disease. And that's a disease that's you know transmitted where insects, let's say, get it from a tree that's impacted by the Dutch elm disease and then fly to another one that ha- didn't have it at that time and consequently... It could inoculate with, you know, walking on small cracks where there could be some exposed vascular systems of the tree. And then once it gets in there, then there's not too much that can be done. 
Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Sure, thank my you. pleasure. Goodbye. And, uh, yeah, Dutch Elm disease. I grew up on Maple Lane in Ellisville, and we had two elms, and they got, uh, you know, we had like 12 maple trees, but there was two elms. They got the Dutch elm disease. We didn't know what it was way back then. And so we just thought, why are these trees dying? And we couldn't figure it out, and we were kind of just keeping our fingers crossed that it wasn't going to impact the maple trees, which it did not. But uh, two of those trees were, uh, they were nice looking. That's unfortunate. As we get closer to late winter, this is a good time if you want to do, to do some air layering of your houseplants. So go online, see what air layering, air layering, A-I-R hyphen L-A-Y-E-R. So you can air layer like Diffenbachias, the rubber trees, corn plants, and things like that is really pretty easy. It's a propagation where you cut a, basically, a, let's say, a notch in the, st- you know, the stems, and then ultimately as that's going to, let's say, root, it, root out, and what's going to happen, then you can cut that off and then plant that in a potting mix for, you know, for tropicals or houseplants, and then you've got another plant. So that's one of the you know, one of the things that you can do. This is a good time of year as well to, if you've got some house plants that are really pot bound, you know, are root pot bound. Yeah. Roots binding up the potting mix. So there's, it's solid root systems. And what you want to do is you want to pull them out of the pot, shake the existing, some of it potting mix off, and then move them to a pot that's about uh, one to two inches larger. Don't get uh, then the pot that they're growing in. Then add some new potting mix in there, and that's what it's really real. I mean, sometimes, I, you know, over the years I've been growing so many different things. Uh, consequently, sometimes I just leave them in the pot and let them be pot-bound, and that's almost like a bonsai fa- you know, factor. So it doesn't, uh, you don't have to do it, but with some of the plants, it does sort of send them downhill if you don't. And once your house plants start showing some new growth this uh, late winter, early spring, that's when you first, when you do your first fertilizing. And if there's no new growth on your house plants at all, do not fertilize them because it can be detrimental to their root system. So just kind of keep that in mind. Uh, let's head over to Pat's yard. Hi, Pat. Hi, Mike. Hi. I have a um, a front yard, fairly large. I'm in Kirkwood, um, and it is just a, a mix of everything. It's it's fescue. It's a little bluegrass in there. It's some weeds. It's all kinds of things. So I intend um, to put down the pre-emergent when the forsythia is in bloom. And my question is, I still have a lot of leaf debris, um, squirrels bringing in nuts and uh, and whatnot, um, probably some dead annual grasses in there. If I were to rake that area before I put down the pre-emergent, am I just going to be um, raking up the seeds that have settled and 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 working against the pre-emergent 
by disturbing the soil? Should I just leave it as is and put the pre-emergent down and and worry about raking and all that in the fall? No, get rid of all that junk. Get rid of it. Okay. Yep. And, I mean, scarring the surface of the soil, you're not getting rid of, you know, let's say the weeds that the pre-emergent or the seeds that the pre-emergent is going to, let's say, kill. But what you're doing is maybe exposing them a little bit more. So then you definitely do not want to do any kind of raking after you put a pre-emergent down. And this is for anybody in any situation. So you want the pre-emergent creates a barrier, a solid sheet on the surface, and then any weed seeds that are underneath it, then when they, you know, pop open, that kills them at at that point. If you put the pre-emergent down and raked or done anything like that, then there's gaps in that, you know, in that solid sheet that you've created with the pre-emergent, and that allows the stuff to go ahead and grow. Correct. That I understood. Okay. I just wasn't sure if I would be working against myself, so to speak, by by cleaning up the area first. But no. it sounds like I'm okay to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to be. Do- I was going to do it today, but I don't know if I want to be out in the you know in the foggy exactly. mist. But I have some leaves from they blowing have blown in from Christie Park. I got to get rid of some of them because they're so thick they could cause some fungus problems. Exactly. And that's kind of what I've got in addition to just other debris. Right. Okay. And then I have one other question. Last year, um, when it was time to mow, uh, I was unhappy with my lawn service, so I shopped for another one. And unfortunately, that took almost about three or four weeks. My point being that I didn't get my first lawn cutting last year until my grass was higher than it had ever been. As a result of that, and that was no problem. You know, the height of the grass, that didn't matter. The grass is only going to grow so tall. But as a result of that, I had an outcropping, almost an infestation, if you would, of a plant that was finally identified um, as uh, hairy bittergrass. And it, it's real close to the ground. It's almost clumpy, clovery looking. And, and I probably always had it. But again, since I mowed my grass, the stalk that came up was probably never allowed to come up before. Right. And this stalk comes up, and all you have to do is touch it. And oh, just it's an explosion of seeds. So that's what – and that's what I believe I've got, all these seeds from this hairy bittergrass. Um, and I'm only mentioning that just in case you have any experience with that or, or have any extra tips. I think that's probably an annual weed, weedy grass. So the pre-emergence should help get that under control. God, that would be great if it's not a perennial. Yeah, I don't think it is. Oh, that's wonderful news. Okay. Well, we're going to do the pre-emergent and hope that stuff doesn't come back. (laughs) Good luck. (laughs) Yeah, good luck is right. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Mike. Yep. Thanks, Pat. And 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Yes, be careful of that water. 
Uh, during this time of year, what you can do is you can go to the garden centers. And if you want to have something, let's say you don't necessarily want to have something that you're going to eat. You can get some seeds for some greens and spinach and things like that and plant them in February or March, weather depending, you know, dependent upon your location. And then you can have some new stuff just kind of sprouting up. And uh, that's kind of the neat thing about, uh, you know, spinach or, you know, the cool season vegetable type things because they do germinate pretty regularly and they don't take a whole lot of care. The weather's just perfect for them. You usually don't have to do any kind of watering or really, I mean, if you want to grow it so you can eat it, yes, you can do that. But I usually just sprinkle it around at, uh, you know, open spots in various areas and just watch it come up because it's fun to see some new greenery this time of year. So you can head out to your favorite garden center. They've got all kinds of seed packs of stuff. I really love sweet alyssum, so I have my sweet alyssum. It's a little bit too early, but that is a cool season, you know, annual. And it's you can get them in purple, you can get them in white. So I always get some packs every year and just sprinkle it along. And, uh, you know, it's really kind of nice. It does do some self-seeding as well. So that's one of the nice things about packs of seeds. It's kind of fun just to go along and dump them out and see what happens. And, uh Again, they don't take really early morning or early spring type stuff. Doesn't take really any work at all as far as beyond just, you know, having the bed, you know, having your soil prepared, of course. But uh, other than that, you don't have to do too much except just kind of watch them grow. And other things that you need to be thinking about is uh, I already talked about the houseplant circumstance. So no fertilizing until there is some new growth on your plants. And uh, and I'm going to re-add this too because a lot of people have wood ashes from their fire pits outside or from their fireplaces inside, and wood ashes don't help soil structure at all. And chemically, it has calcium, phosphorus, and potassium, and potash is potassium, and if you already have a substantial amount of that stuff due to fertilizer, then you should not be putting your wood ashes out there. So before spreading them, do a soil test and find out what's going on in your ground because putting the wood ashes out can actually be to the detriment of the plant material. And as uh, if you have acidic, you know, loving plant materials like azaleas, anything that's a broadleaf evergreen, hollies, boxwood, all that stuff, they want to have a soil test or a soil pH. That's a test of the alkalinity or acidity of your soil, like around 6 to 6.5. That's the ideal one for uh, acid-loving plants. So acid-loving means kind of vinegar-like. Uh, alkaline is more salty-like. So uh, things that uh, like salt, like the gentleman that called that wanted to take some cuttings of his lilac, they like a, a acidic. No, they don't like acidic. They al- like an alkaline soil. Uh, clematis like an alkaline soil. And as I said before, the things that like the acidic soils are basically any of the broadleaf evergreens and pretty much any annual perennial or anything that grows in a shaded location. They like acidic soils. 
And, the, you know, the soil pH makes a, you know, has a lot to do with the, how well your plants are going to do. And especially with the broadleaf evergreen shrubs, if it's not acidic enough, they're going to turn yellow. Mike Miller, KM Walks Garden Hotline, back after the news. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you, Scott. And this is the KM Marks Garden Hotline second hour, which is the tip of the trowel, a special on-air recognition for individual groups and situations that have made an impression on me in this past week or so. And they're brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Tip of the trowel goes out to the garden centers, all the nurseries and everything else. It's a slow process, but the... Ah, it was always great. When I left the Botanical Garden, I worked at uh, and was general manager for Old Orchard Gardens, which was a garden center that started in Webster and then moved to West County to Manchester on 141. And it was once you hit sort of like the end of January, then, you know, slowly but surely things start coming in and people, you know, head out to get, you know, things like I was talking about in the last hour getting some seeds like I've already gotten myself of various things, and just uh, then the plant material, then the dry goods and everything else. It's really just a great time of year, and so certainly appreciate or, and head out to your favorite garden center and kind of see what they have. I mean, the, <laughs> the amount of different types of plant material that you know there's seeds available for is just absolutely incredible. And if you've not had any experience and you really want to be serious about it, to have good seed growth inside, you need bottom mats, which are heated, and you need potting mix for starting plant material, and you need grow lights. And the grow lights, you want to put only about four inches above the flats or pots or whatever you're trying to grow the seedlings from. Because if you raise it up too high, then it's not going to be effective. And then just keep them generally damp, not overly wet, and uh, it's good. You know, it's good fun to grow stuff underneath grow lights. But you do do need to have better success that bottom heat, so that you can get those at your favorite garden center too. And thanks for inviting me into your onto your show, where we can discuss things like the best plants for a specific location how to grow or care for them after you plant them, adding pizzazz to a view, whether it's looking from the inside of your home or whether it's later on when you're going to be sitting on the deck or the patio or when you're walking around the yard. That's great fun to head around to one side of the house that you don't see all that much. And, ooh, that really looks good. 
caring for existing plants, selecting new varieties, and collect <laughs> the correct installation. So in other words, how deep you plant, how wide should you dig the holes, and things like that. And what is that thing that's growing over there? Is that a weed or is that you know something that's who? What is that? I don't know. How about lawn care this time of year? Growing plants in pots or ground. When should you do some pruning, fertilizing for any kind of plant material? Should you be doing it now? Or how about the roses? Should you be pruning them yet? No. Conifers, evergreens, deciduous, and uh, like I said, growing plants from seed and solving those hmm, wildlife problems and caring for your houseplants. Remember my thoughts, answers, comments, opinions are not the only garden path to take to have success, but strictly offered for you to consider. I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. And prior to that, I went to school in Southern California at UC Santa Barbara because I got discharged from the Air Force in 1973 in Riverside, March Air Force Base, and I just stayed out in California. And just uh, lots of different stuff since then related to plant material. I grew up in Ellisville and uh, just loved the outdoors, and I kind of just decided this is something I want to do because both my parents kind of did professions that they didn't really care for, but they just wanted to have, you know, good, solid jobs. So anyway, if you'd like for me to come to your home and do a plant consultation, which I call a walk and talk, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, and on the homepage, there's my email address and phone number that you can contact me, and we can set up a date and time for me to come to visit your plant world. Now, if you have any ideas, questions, concerns, or comments related to your plant world, just simply give us a call, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120, and we can talk about it. Today's producer and a very important member of the team is Drew. When you call, Drew just needs your first name, and he'll take care of it from that, put you up on the caller screen. So Drew's actually seems like he's going to be consistently the the producer for the Garden Hotline. So he can handle me as stupid as I am. He doesn't really care. He kind of keeps me straight. But anyway, it's 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Phone lines open. Let's talk about your plants. Ring in the new year with the ultimate timeless gift, a diamond from Diamonds Direct. Whether you're ready to pop the question or celebrating a lifetime of love in 2024, Diamonds Direct can make this New Year's one to remember forever. Diamonds Direct is the area's destination for exquisite diamonds in all shapes and sizes. And our nationwide price guarantee ensures you'll get the best value, period. To showcase that spectacular diamond, we have literally thousands of designer settings from all the top names like Takori, Viraggio, Simon G, Ajafi, and many more. And our experts will guide you every step of the way with the education you want and the respect you deserve. Engagement rings, wedding bands, eternity bands, fashion rings. At Diamonds Direct, we specialize in the ultimate symbol of love, and we welcome the opportunity to celebrate with you. So start the new year with some new excitement, new hope, and some new bling. Diamonds Direct. At Olive and 270, official partner of the St. Louis Blues and proud to call the Gateway City home. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. So, you got a new gadget over the holidays. 
Don't forget to listen to your favorite station on Odyssey. Unwrapped a new Amazon Echo or Google Home? Be sure to tell your smart speaker to play your favorite station. Received a new Sonos speaker? Check on Odyssey on the Sonos app for access to hundreds of stations. Got a new phone? Don't forget that the Odyssey app is the only way you can jump to your favorite show with Rewind. No matter what you received this year, listen to your favorites with Odyssey. Download the free Odyssey app today. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely on advertisements. I'm Jim Onder. After an injury, you need someone you can trust to explain and carry you through. At Under Law, we know what it's like to face tough times. We know how hard it can be to see a light at the end of the tunnel, especially when you're hurt, struggling to make ends meet, and overwhelmed by our legal system. We're not only on your side, we're by your side. Under Law Personal Injury Lawyers. Call 314 or 618 9 million to learn more. Lions and tigers and bears and honeysuckle. Oh, scared of all those things. Honeysuckle is really a nasty, invasive plant. Actually, it was brought to New York from Japan, and it was brought because they wanted to use it as an exhibit for some kind of a carnival, or I, I don't know exactly. I can't remember what it was. But it's migrated all the way from New York here and the only thing that was able to stop it from its migration from east to west was the Rocky Mountains. Now, the gentleman that is Mr. Honeysuckle that helps you get rid of your honeysuckle, he will get rid of it. He bought some property and he couldn't believe after they bought that it was a house that they really wanted. They have children and everything else. And a third of the property was honeysuckle horrible and so he's been fooling with that himself so his experience is practical right out of his own yard and he uses a he knows that uh, it's very difficult to control so he had 10 years of experience in residential remodeling and machine bobcat operation he uses a bobcat to dig out the honeysuckle so that's what he does. He knows that you got to get the entire root system out. So it's just it's terrible. The honeysuckle offers poor nutritional value for birds, and it's really horrible for the native plant material and everything else. So Mr. Honeysuckle, 314-785-8448, or you can check it out online, Mr. Honeysuckle. Dot com. Every rose has its dawn, just like every night has its dawn. Yes, every rose, roses, do not prune them yet, so leave them alone and wait until the new growth starts beginning, and that's when you want to prune them. So that's for all roses. That's the hybrid teas, the granifloras, the shrub type, so miniatures, everything. Leave them alone, let them get through the wintertime, and then do the pruning. Let's head over to Kurt's yard. Hi, Kurt. Hey, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. It sounds like it's time for me to plant a forsythia bush somewhere in my yard so I can uh, tell when to do pre-emergent instead of looking at my neighbor when he puts down pre-emergent. Can you give me the idea, what's the best time to plant one, and do I need full sun? Full sun is best. They will survive in part, you know, part sun, but they're 
I mean, they're just not as robust and not as full if they're not getting full sun all day long. You know, like the deer seem to really eat up a lot of stuff around here. I mean, they come right up to the house, seems like. So, I mean, put a cage around it maybe or something. Yeah, you, know? you could do that or, again, or use the repellents or the Irish Spring soap or something along that line, too. Yeah, I heard a lady earlier, you know, shaving it with a peeler of some sort. So right. It's a bad idea. I'm not real good at, you know, staying up on that stuff. So, but sounds like I need to do it because it's a telltale one to put down a pre-emergent, right? So Exactly. Okay. I appreciate it, Mike. Thanks so much. Yeah, and also, you know, you can check with the Missouri Botanical Garden website because they can let you know when uh, and exposure is going to, you know, determine exactly when it is blooming. So it's, but it's going to be within a one or two weeks of, uh, regardless of exposure. Hey, do I just go to a regular garden center and buy one this spring? And yeah, plant it in the springtime. Absolutely. Okay. So probably, okay. you know, they're going to have them early on, depending upon which garden center you go to. The big box garden centers, maybe not quite as much, but the local nursery type things are going to have them. And uh, they're, I mean, they're tough. They're durable. They don't take much care at all. So they're really kind of neat. Yeah, I recall my mom and dad had one, and it got huge. And it was beautiful in the springtime. Right. I, I do that. And I'm just a kid. I didn't know anything. But I do remember <laughs> that bus got big, and it took over, you know. So. <laughs> But it's time for me to plant one, I think, so I'm going to give it a try. All right, great. Good luck. Thanks, man. Yep. And 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. If you did or you've had, you know, in the past, planted some spring flowering bulbs, like uh, some of the minor bulbs. Minor bulbs mean the smaller bulbs are planted closer to the surface than the tulips and daffodils and hyacinths. So things like snowdrops, iris, danfordii, grape hyacinths, crocus. Start watching the the area where you planted them historically or ones that you just planted last fall because you're going to start to see some foliage, you know, coming up through the mulch or through the surface of the soil where you haven't planted. And any kind of bulbs, regardless of whether they're minor or major bulbs, uh, if you planted them on the south side of your landscape, they're going to be the first ones versus the ones that are on the north side that you're going to start to see some foliage coming, breaking the surface. And then generally it's going to be the flowers following that uh, about uh, every couple couple weeks, you know, after the foliage starts, you know, showing up. And if you want to extend, if there are certain bulbs, spring flowering bulbs that you really like, what you can do is just buy enough bulbs and plant them on two two week or so sequences. So in other words, plant some two weeks, then wait for two weeks, then plant some more. That way you can extend the bloom cycle and it makes it uh, a lot more fun. And the same thing really applies to the summer bulbs, but uh, summer bulbs are not quite as spectacular from my perspective because we, you know, the the spring bulbs are when things are really kind of like you look outside now, it's so gray, gray and boring. But anyway, enough of that stuff. Let's head over to Barb's. Hi, Barb. Good morning, Mike. Hi. Uh, two questions, of course. Uh, I had a lot of new sod put down 
last uh, May, a lot of it. We put uh, cultivated it, roughed it up, and put some dirt down, and then put. Uh, there was a problem because of the county relocated the road in front of me, so Ooh. they had it down to bare uh, clay almost. Uh, when can I start fertilizing that? It came. I mean, I we did well. I kept it up all summer. Uh, I'm assuming it's a bluegrass or a fescue. A fescue. Okay, so what you want to do is that can be fertilized. It might. I would probably wouldn't do it right now, but I, let's say you can start fertilizing and fertilize in February, March, April, and then you know once in May, so you can fertilize all those times, and then no fertilizer after that until okay. we get back to uh, or to, on to mid to late August, early September. Okay, so uh, I fertilize it repetitively. Yeah, you're saying exactly every month. Especially okay. since it's you know a new new sod circumstance, but even okay. I mean yearly with the fescues since it's a cool season grass, you want to fertilize it when it's most actively growing, and that's going to be while the weather is cool. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. Uh, question about I've got a lot, a lot of Indian marigolds. Is that I think is the correct name? Uh, if I they're in a a raised garden. Uh, if I pull them up now, can I put preem down uh, when the forsythia is blooming and they'll still come up? Yeah, they're not coming up from seed. They're coming up from root system, right? Uh, I don't know. I've had them for about 10 years. I mean, <laughs> they come up, maybe 20 plants come up every year. Yeah, I would say, now what would... Just so they're not coming up from seed, they're coming up from a root system, so then you should be okay. Mm. So, I mean, about if, if the ground's not frozen, I could go ahead and start pulling them out? Or I would just leave them until you start to see the new growth and then get rid of, you know, then just cut them off. Really? Huh. Boy, that'd be a lot of roots in the ground. Uh, okay, so I can't really use... Preen, well, before the before they start to root is what you're saying. No, I mean if they're not if they're coming back, you know, if they're a perennial, what was it? What was the type of marigold? I think was? they're called. Uh, I think they're called Indian marigolds. When I looked them up. Hmm. Uh, well, when you look them up, see if see you know if they if they come back year after year, or go to Missouri Botanical Garden website. Mobot M O B O T dot org, okay. and see what they okay. say. If they're if they're a, a self seeding you know perennial, then you know then you can't put the preen because the preen will kill them if the seeds you know are germinating. So pulling the plants mm -hmm. doesn't have anything to do with the seeds germinating. Okay. 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 So, so yeah, just find out if year. they're coming back from the root system or if they're self seeding. Okay. I took a picture of it, you know, to identify. I think that's what they were called. Okay. Uh, all right. Thank you. Sure. I'll go my pleasure. Good. All right. And now let's head over to Jim's yard. Hi, Jim. Hey, Mike. Mike, I have a minor lemon tree. It's a plant, and it's two years old right now. 
and it's in a 12, uh, 12 inch wide and a 14 inch deep pot. Right. And the first year it grew four lemons for me this year. The first year I, br- I have it inside now. And the first year I brought it inside, no leaves fell off at all. It, it, it bloomed in the spring. It was as healthy as can be. This year we brought it inside and um, all the leaves have fallen off. And I've, ha- I've had new growth on it too, because I fertilized it over the summer. But um, boy, it just it's getting in bad shape, and all the leaves are gone. Um, wondering from you if um, do I need to give it a shot of fertilizer here in you know the middle of January? Do I wait? Uh, what can I do? Don't do up? any fertilizing because it's you know under stress the way it is. They're not mm-hmm. really great house plants. The reason why I did well the first year is because it was kind of like living its history, you know, at a nursery slash greenhouse circumstance. Oh, okay. And then, you know, since then, it's gotten stuck, let's say, in your house. Outside is fine, but once you bring them inside, they're not really great house plants. It really, you know, generally doesn't lose all the foliage, but it can lose up to half, to, you know, 50%, 60% every year. You know, no matter how much foliage, how well it looked while it was outside, once you bring it inside, just expect that to happen. Oh, it's normal. Okay. Right. And um, also, I do know, it looks like new leaves are coming. It looks like on the on the stems, it looks like little stickers. Could that be the leaves starting to, to bloom or come out on, on it? I've it noticed could. that on part of it. Okay. When you say little stickers, so when you touch it, it feels sticky like sap? No, no, no. No, they're real pointy. Okay. So then it's probably, you know, reemergence of foliage. Mm Mm-hmm. So um, taking that and repotting it, if it makes it through the wintertime, and repotting that would be a wise thing to do now to get it in deeper root system? No. No? Leave it alone. That should be a big enough pot that you can grow it for multiple years in that size pot. Especially mm-hmm. if you're, you know, if you're fertilizing, you know, during the active growth season of the summertime, and then once okay. it comes in, no fertilizing, and just putting it in a bigger pot is not going to make any difference. There should be adequate root system in that size pot. Oh, it is. Oh, wow. I would think it. I would think it would need to be, be deeper at least. No. Okay, fourteen inches enough. Okay. Good. Oh yeah, that's plenty deep. And then just the normal uh, fertilizer, uh, citrus fertilizer, you find it all the um, lawn and garden places, yep. is ideal, which I bought. Exactly. Will work. Nothing, nothing special or nothing, a secret uh, formula out there that would make it. No, that really. should have all the, you know, the, let's say the nutrients, the chemicals and everything, and the correct pH for your, you know, the citrus. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thank you, Mike, for your time. Appreciate it. Have a great show. And um uh, uh, keep listening. All right, great. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me on your show. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. Decided to get rid of that garden hotline guy and go to music. We do have phone lines open 314 
436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. If you have any questions or concerns, before you do any soil preparation or anything, the ground is pretty wet right now. So don't do that because it creates clods of mud. Then the clods bump in together, even though you think it's really put together tight but it's not, and there's air pockets in there, and they can fill up with water. They can fill up with cold air and other be problematic for the plant material. So just keep that in mind. Let's head over to Terry's yard. Hi, Terry. Hi, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I have a, a group of three uh, green giant arborvitae in, in the yard, uh, and <clears throat> they're near some other structures, but there's enough room, but They've gotten larger than I thought they would. They, they've really grown an incredible amount in the six years they've been in the ground, and they're now growing into each other. What I'm wondering is, can I prune those a little bit at the bottom to try to keep them a little more un, under control? To be honest with you, where you prune them, it'll be okay right at first. But the new growth is not going to happen from there. So then these the tips of where you've done the, you know, newly exposed due to the pruning is going to start turning brown. So that's going to be the problem. So it's going to be an aesthetic problem. It won't prevent them from growing more, higher, you know, and stuff. But uh, that's where you're going to have, that's what you probably want. Will, will they recover from the turning brown eventually, or is no. it just going to be they're not going to recover? No, the arborvitae just don't recover from any kind of pruning whatsoever. So that's why they're not really used for hedges or anything. I mean, the globe arbor, and that's all the arborvitae, whether it's a green giant, whether it's a globe arborvitae or anything else, pruning them is just not to the advantage of the plant material. Oh, okay. And a related question, I have a number of uh, dwarf blue atlas cedars in, a, in narrow beds around uh, a patio, which has an in-ground pool in the middle, and they have done extremely well. I was concerned there was maybe not enough soil area, but they've done so well. Instead of being small trees, they're now just fat bushes. Or can I prune the dwarf blue atlas cedars to maybe look them, make them look more like kind of a, a rugged mountain tree look? Can no, I do that? they don't do well with pruning either. So oh. that's two. Okay. I mean, you have two plants that really do. You've had great luck with them, but you're better off to leave them alone. And the reason why they did, you know, well in a, you know, in the circumstance you described was because they're native to mountainous areas where there isn't a whole lot of sun or soil. Okay. I, I did prune them somewhat a couple of years ago, and what happened, it seems like immediately they filled back in. They, they grew new branches, and, and, and you know now they look just like they did. So basically it's kind of a waste of time, you're saying? In a way, yes. And the reason why they you know, were able to recover is because they were younger. Now as they get older, recovery, you could, try, you could try it on a couple of them that, you know, and see what happens. But I wouldn't prune them all at once and just kind of keep your fingers crossed. I, I see. Okay. 
Well, thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. Bye-bye. And now let's head over to Matt's yard. Hi, Matt. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Uh, first, I wanted to thank you for our show. I've got a uh, 88-year-old uh, father-in-law who's legally blind, and I know he listens every day, and he's listened every day for so t- for some time, and it's a true service uh, for those of us in St. Louis. Um, I, I had two questions, if you don't mind. Uh, one's related to my yard, and it's probably a silly question, but I, um, you know, this time of year, whenever I'm in my yard out there with my dog, I always feel bad walking in, whether it's frozen or it's, it's really wet like it is right now. Um, I always worry about doing some sort of permanent harm in, in walking on it, right? Not, not high volume traffic or something, but any advice on, you know, what really might harm the yard when you're walking in it, like when it was frozen, you know, earlier in the week? Generally, what's going to happen is it's going to break the, it has the ability wherever your footsteps or the dog paw hits when it's frozen, you could, you know, damage the crown of the, the grass the lawn that's, you know, underneath that. So that's, you know. What about when it's really wet like it is right now? It's so soggy out there. We're okay to be out there moving around. I really try to avoid it when it was frozen. Right. You know, the dog's got to get out there. I got to get out there and do stuff. Does it cause any permanent harm when it's so, it's, it's almost like walking on peat moss or something? Right. The problem with that is just soil compaction. Because, Hmm. you know, it's just like, kind of creating in a way, and there's nothing you can really do about it. What you can do to prevent the soil compaction from being problematic is just every couple years do some core aeration so you can break that surface up and prevent it from becoming packed down. Because even though you don't notice the fact that it is getting packed down, it is, and that's what the, you know, it can be problems because we're just not really a great region for growing grass, and that's where yeah. the trouble comes from. Well, and I think it may seem right now a little soggier because we did core aerate air, air um, kind of late in the fall, so it's still, I think it's it's soaking up more water than it normally would. So right. maybe we were preemptive, right, with the coration, and that, that'll help. And then my, my other question was, was uh, about mulch. Um, my wife wants me to put down some more mulch this spring, um, and one, um, you talk about uh, St. Louis compost. I assume they have mulch, so I'm hoping you give me some advice there because she wants me to get a very specific color. Um, and two, when would be the right time for me to, if St. Louis compost offers mulch, to go there, get a couple truckloads? Um, what's the right time to start that process in the spring? First of all, just don't add mulch on top of existing mulch. You don't want it to get too deep because it can be trouble for the plant material that you're putting it around. And secondly, yes, they have all kinds. You can go to their, you know, go to, you know, just check out their website. They've got several different kinds of dyed colors as well as natural colored ones too. So just yeah, watch that's out. That's great advice. Yeah. yeah. Basically that, around trees and shrubs. You don't want any more than three or four inches. And if you have more and you want to add some because you like the aesthetics of the color, then you've got to kind of get rid of the existing stuff. No, I'm, I'm probably down to half an inch. Oh, of, then you're fine. An inch at the most, right? right. So it, it's ready for the mulch. I okay. won't really have to do a lot of work to worry about getting rid of old mulch or anything like that. Okay, I just great. I didn't do it this fall, and I wanted to see. Sorry, did you see a time that might be best to do it? Yeah. Like, you know. 
basically, you can really do it at any time. You just don't want to do it in the heat of the summertime because it generates a, you know, okay. heat of its own, and that could be trouble. All right. All right. Thank you so much again for your show. You're just a, an absolute treasure. <laughs> well, thank you. I don't, I'm not worthy. But anyway, thanks. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. the phones we go and let's head over to mark's yard hi mark hi mike hi. how are you very good good hey um i have recently retired and uh i'm getting back into taking care of my yard a lot more because i was always gone and everything and now i want to uh start off uh, the program where you know i can you know, kill the weeds, uh, bring the grass back. I mean, I don't have a bad yard, but I just want to make it better. Uh, where should I start and when? Well, it depends upon what your, you know, your problem in your lawn is slash was. But just, you know, probably I would go ahead and put a pre-emergent down this springtime just to kind of find out if you did have annual weed problems then that yes, would I eliminate did. that. And, yes, I did. Okay. So then, I mean, there's two different kinds of annual weeds. One's a warm season, and that's the ones that would be germinating this spring when the yellow forsythias in bloom. Now, we don't know exactly when they're going to bloom, so I can't give you a, you know, a date. Sure. But what you can do is get a, you know, contact the Missouri Botanical Garden and see when, you know, what they're saying as far as related to that. And then put a pre-emergent down and follow the bag rate and everything else. And this, that would be the first step I'd go for. Okay. Very good. And uh, I love the music. <laughs> <laughs> Drew Have picks it. Day. So, I mean, it's his choice. <laughs> yeah. Have a great weekend. Great. Yeah, I like Bye. it myself. And now let's see what's going on in Kurt's yard. Hi, Kurt. Hey, hello. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Sure. Yeah, my thing, I, uh, I've i always aerated in the past, and I've done the core aeration. Uh, last fall, I had someone uh, talk to me about doing liquid aeration. Uh, I was kind of interested because I've got three little mini dachshunds, and when you do the core aeration, they just have dirt everywhere. But I wanted to know if it was really as effective. Absolutely not. So okay. I don't even know what it would actually do. Because you, well, we're, we're trying to break the surface and, you know, be able to penetrate down, a, you know, a couple inches, and then compost goes back into that. So it's yeah. it's feeding your soil where the liquid stuff is not going to do a thing. Yeah, what, what they said is the liquid stuff, would uh, they'd inject it in, and it would expand, and it would help break it up or whatever. And, and again, I just, that's why I called. I wanted to see if it was because, I mean, the coloration... It works. It is a mess for a while, but it works, and I guess no pain, no gain. Right, exactly. Um, Mike, thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. Yeah, liquid core aeration, injecting it into the ground, and it expands. I don't see how that could ever pop. I never even heard of liquid, you know, core aeration. Okay, well, thank you much. I really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, just because I haven't heard of it doesn't mean it doesn't work. It's just that it just, you know from my perspective, seems a little 
crazy. But let's go over to Ed's yard. Hi, Ed. Hi, how you doing? Very good. Good. I have a couple of questions. I have this, uh, I know it's a perennial because it comes up every year. It's like a, I don't know the, the name of it, but it, it has a, it grows circular and it's dark green spikes, almost like uh, aloe vera type plant. And it grows about maybe four feet tall and it comes up every spring. But this is the crazy part. It'll come up and it'll get big and beautiful, about four feet, uh, about three, four feet in diameter, and then it'll just die. It'll die after about a month. Hmm. So it'll come up like in April, you know, get big and beautiful, and then it'll just die. And then after that, after it dies, some other uh, plants that are perennial must be underneath it, they'll come up. But this big, beautiful, green, circular-type uh, bush plant, it just dies after about a month or two. Wow. So does it do the blades, does it flower at all? No flowers, just dark green, like spike type uh, so, leaves or whatever you call them. Yeah, the only thing I could think of is a type of ornamental grass that is only a cool season grass, and as soon as the weather starts warming, then that sends it downhill. Yeah, because every year, I mean, I've been here about four years. Every year it will come up big and beautiful, and then after about a month it will just shrivel up and die. I thought it was like root rot or something because it's, it's like right on the street line, and it gets a lot of water, you know. Uh, so last year I tried uh, some peroxide because I'm thinking maybe it's root rot or something, you know, but, uh, you know, it's weird. Right, yeah. so it's probably an ornamental grass. What I do is when it comes up, cut a few, you know, four, five, or six blades of it off and take it to uh, your favorite garden center and let them identify it. Oh, okay, okay. And then the other question I have, like my front yard, well, really the whole property is it's about a little less than an acre. It's all clay soil. I mean, very hard clay, and it's hard to grow grass. How can I... How, can I grow grass or something like that? Well, basically, some of you know you're going to have to bring in a machinery, which is called core C O R E aerating A E R A T I N G, and then what that does is you run that all over your your lawn, and it drives these things into the ground, and they pull it pulls plugs up about two inches long, and then after yeah. you do that, then you go and get compost and you know put compost over all the places where you've core aerated. Then that compost will fall down into the hole. Then you enrich uh, your soil, and that's the only way to really break up clay, short of like uh, having and you know bringing in rototillers and all this other stuff. So, and it's going to take gotcha. you know a couple years. It's not going to be something that's going to be easy and automatic by any means. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I mean. It looks green. I mean, it's green, but it it doesn't get long, you know. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, I my father wasn't really into lawns, so for him, as long as it was green, it was good. So oh, <laughs> that's what I'm thinking about. Right. <laughs> as long as it's green, it's good. You right. Know? Exactly. But, uh, so because I fertilize it, you know, like twice a year, you know, in the spring and then in the fall. You know, so it's green, but it's just not long, you know? Right. 
So it's not it well, probably, you know, the amount of grass or lawn grass in there may be minimal, and there might be a lot of, let's say, in theory, weeds, whether they're grassy weeds or other things. So it's just it's strictly up to you on what you, you know, you choose. But the core aeration with compost, I mean, you can get lawn services that will do that kind of stuff for you. Right. Well, I sort of like to do it because my dad used to be. Oh. Uh, used to be, yeah. So I, it's sort of a hobby type thing, you know. Right. Uh, but, yeah, yeah. And the last question I have for you, I have a, uh, I think it's called a dwarf Japanese maple. Right. Yeah, it's real short. Maybe you got to do it pretty quick. Huh? You got to do it oh, pretty okay. quick. We're just about uh, out of time. Should I uh, prune that at all? Any ma- any maple that you prune, I would say don't prune it at all. Any maple has to be pruned in the wintertime. So, but leave it alone. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.